1: at sport-social.co.uk.
0: hello welcome back to the masterclass tactical podcast i'm your host Haydar robani manchester united have just crashed out the fa cup terrible really performance if i'm being completely honest with you rob you know 3-1 lesser were the better side but everything that possibly could have gone wrong today today did go wrong and unfortunately we were outclassed probably outworked and um We've got a lot to break break, uh, down today. Um, Welcome back. How are you feeling after that result? We've had about an hour and a half, haven't we, to uh, relax, have something to eat. Uh, Not good, was it?
1: A poor performance and the right team won and went through to the semi-final. Um, Disappointing in the sense that I think the manager got the selection wrong. I understand why he made that selection. I think you have to rotate at some point. And when you look at the games that are coming up and... Obviously the trip to Milan, which would have taken a lot out of the team. It was time to give others a chance. Players that fans have wanted to see on the football pitch in a system that people talk about all the time. You know, Manchester United today effectively did play more of a 4-3-3. Here we've got the the who scored. Um, positions and it says here obviously it was a four-two-three-one, but we saw very much that Pogba was deeper than that position there, and that Van der Beek was really pushing forward as a false nine quite often through through the first half. That did change in the second half when uh, when it was actually Van der Beek who went deeper, and that really messed up the balance for the second goal with Leicester. But I just think that everything United tried today just didn't work. You know the players do not suit this system. The double pivot that we talk about all the time protects Manchester United. It gives them energy, gives them control in the middle of the park, even though they're not the best ball players. But today, that three across there just did not work. It was confusing. It didn't look right. And it didn't allow Manchester United to do what they do best, which is play in transition. And United just looked like a team with a a flat tyre today
0: yeah you make really good points about the uh look the formation obviously it's saying 4-2-3-1 initially when we when we started out I thought it'd be a 4-2-3-1 we saw Pogba go on the left but very quickly you know some thought it was a diamond I didn't really see a diamond if I'm being honest today at times perhaps uh the 4-3-3 fans have been calling for 4-3-3 Rob many times and we've said so many times on this show the reason why we don't play 4-3-3 is because we haven't got the players to play it when you play a 4-3-3 I don't think we control the ball well enough. I mean, that was very, very evident today. I mean, the first, what was it, first 25 minutes, I mean, Fred had an absolute shocker, Rob, in that centre of the park. And Matic too. I mean, Matic's pass percentage after 25 minutes was about 72%. Fred was better at 82, but they both lost the ball around seven times each. So 14 times in the first 25 minutes. It's just not good enough. And another issue with the 4-3-3, Rob, is I don't think that... We um, we've played that enough as well to change it into that formation in, in a crucial game like this. I'm going to call it a crucial game. I know you don't really care much about the FA Cup. And I look, you're going to lose games, but my biggest problem is that the manner of the loss today, you know, I can take a loss, but the manner of the loss is bad. And that was an issue for me making these changes. I didn't have a problem with the personnel. I had an issue with changing the formation. I didn't see the reasoning for it. And unfortunately today, it looked like a team that hadn't played that enough.
1: Yeah, I'll explain why I think he changed it. And I've said this, I think, on our show before, and I've also said it on Twitter, is that when you try and bring van der Beek into this team, how does he fit? What do you do to make van der Beek the player he wants to be? You know, the kind of talent that he is, how do you extract that bit of X factor from him? So in a 4-2-3-1, I think we've seen van der Beek feature in that system numerous times now, both from the bench and as a starter, and he doesn't fit the double pivot. We've said this, and he doesn't quite fit the attack because Manchester United play transition and they play fast. And van der Beek doesn't really have pace. You know, it's still not his game. Now, we saw with the goal, he was he was involved. You know, it was his dummy, the ball played across from Pogba, and he was involved playing in a part of the pitch that he's happy to play in. But the issue is that if you're playing 4-3-3 in a system that your team is not used to or finds it difficult to play in, then you might lose the football match as a result. So that's on Ole to make that choice. And I think today he's made that choice in all good faith. You know, he would have he would have worked with the team on the training pitch and they would have said, right, we're going to try 4-3 at the the time when we can try it. And like you're just saying there, you know, the FA Cup, you know, you don't want to lose this game. Of course, when you're in the quarterfinals and you're that one step away from Wembley, you want to win it. You want to get through. But I think this actually shows where the FA Cup stands in the list of priorities for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United. You know, as I've said before, four years ago, United won this competition and sacked the manager the next day. Manchester United do not care about the FA Cup. And you saw that today. They made these rotations because they have to. They have to get players playing. And in the running, you want someone like van der Beek to have influence to even just come off the bench. And what you saw today is that probably van der Beek might not play for Manchester United again for the rest of the season because he doesn't fit the team. So I get why Oli did it. Oli got it wrong today. The players got it wrong. We can highlight the Freds and the Matic's until we're blue in the face. We know these players are not technical gods. We know they're going to give the ball away. We know that that's a problem, that something needs to be fixed. But it wasn't why United lost this game today. Three goals that United conceded today, and it all came really from errors and mistakes. Every goal tonight was completely unacceptable. And I think we'll break down each three and we'll kind of look at them and say, you know, why was that the case? Um, but for you know, a bad day at the office for United, but more than that, it just shows that they can't play different systems with this personnel. I mean, you're seeing why Oli
0: plays the 4 2 Rob. You see why McFred play yeah. for this very reason. I mean, look, it's a problem because United can't really get to that next level in their development without upgrading on them or, or finding a way to you know to to move away from those two and I know we disagree on sort of their roles in that position but look I think I mean there's questions here saying and this is a great well a comment here from Niall actually which is brilliant shouldn't have to change the system to suit one player for a game for game time and that's something we've been saying now probably for what, how long maybe 3 4 months now that Vanderbeek has to find a way to fit into the side rather than the side and the system changing to fit him in in some defence for him today, Rob, what I will say is, one, he hasn't had much game time. He's been injured. So that's the first thing. You could, I think there could be an element of match fitness not there. Confidence is definitely not there, Rob. The amount of times he passed backwards, he wasn't looking forward. I think that, I, for me, I don't think he was a problem today. I still think those two behind him were the biggest problem. We know that they're limited, but I thought that they didn't provide United with the platform. We couldn't control the middle of the park. I was perplexed as to why Oli played Pogba off the left when you should have played him centrally. We can talk about Van der Beek being an issue. We can talk about, you know, it's the FA Cup. At the end of the day, Rob, it's not just the players. For me, the manager got got things wrong today. And unfortunately, we're here at this situation where United are struggling to take that step over to the next level. Now, they're struggling to get to, we didn't even get to the same finals today, struggling to get to finals, struggling to make, for me, that tangible progress to that next stage. League league position, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about in the Cups. I think that's a cause for concern for me. I don't want to just push this result to a side and say, what's well, the FA Cup, we don't mind, because for me, it does matter. The manner of the defeat matters. And for me, I think there's a lot of weak personalities and the weak mentalities in the squad, which is a serious, serious problem. And I'm not finding that the manager is finding a way to get them over that line as well.
1: I think that when you look at where we are and what Manchester United have been over maybe seven or eight years and what the priorities are, fans are always going to get hurt by any defeat. If you get knocked out, the league cup fans are going to be upset. If you get knocked out, the FA cup fans are going to be upset. So that's one thing, you know, and I try and take the emotion out of it because I'm kind of looking at it from a football perspective. What do you do when you're at that football club? Now let's kind of break it down. So you just said about the two behind Donny van Der Beek. So, we're looking at kind of how Donny van der Beek becomes useful for Manchester United. Well, the first thing that has to happen is that Donny van der Beek has to take responsibility for his own performances. So if Donny van der Beek doesn't have the confidence needed to play for Manchester United for whatever reason, because he's not played or he's out of position or he's not happy, tough, this is a job, yeah? You you have to be good at your job. When you sit at your desk every day, you have to be good. And if you're not good, it will get pulled up. So I look at Donny van der Beek and I'm not going to say to him, well, Bad luck for you, Donny, because Fred's not very good at passing the ball. Bad luck, Donny, because Matic isn't very good. Um, Bad luck, Donny, because Paul Pogba should be playing in the centre. When the stats do say, Haydar, that Paul Pogba is much better in a 4-3-3 on the left, that is his position in a 4-3-3. That's his favoured position, and that's where he's had his success at Juventus in the past. When you look at those things, you have to look at why United changed their system. And as you said at the top of the, the show, they changed the system for Donny van der Beek to try and find a way to make him useful. And what we saw after an hour was that he had to pull it. or they had to pull the experiment, four players coming on. You could not kind of put a more bigger kind of two fingers up from a manager to say, look, I've tried it for an hour. I've tried playing you. I've tried playing other players around you. Now I'm pulling this because I've got to try and rescue the game. And that's what United tried to do. I think for 20 minutes from the 70th minute onwards, United had bits and pieces, but it had gone by then. You know, 3-1 down, Leicester were in the ascendancy. They were the better team on the day. When you change system like this in a profound manner, there's every chance you're going to lose the game. Sometimes you go the other way, and it's like a miracle, and you see something that you've not seen before. But I never thought, looking at that team sheet today, that we were going to see some kind of miracle. Got to remember, Leicester are a top four team. They're going to be in the Champions League next top year. They're side. not. They're really not the a bad side. They've got a top coach. They've got top players, and lots of those players who were playing today for Leicester City would get in this Manchester United starting eleven. So you have to kind of take a step back from that, and I think that's why you know Ole's tried to change this because. What are his priorities? The Premier League top four and the Europa League. These are now the priorities for Manchester United, and they have been for a long time. And the FA Cup, unfortunately, Haydar, is a lagging third. And I think we saw that today, not only in the performance, but we saw it in the selection. We saw it in the demeanour. We saw it in the quality. Was that United looked confused? You know, when you look at kind of the issues of the team, and we're talking about the midfield, that midfield was just broken from minute one all the way through to the final minutes.
0: But you know, just to quickly interject, Rob, I, I I completely agree with those points. But it was more of a risk to change the system to 4 3 3 to fit Donnie in when Donnie's played in the 4 2 3 1. Yes, okay, it hasn't worked in the past, but Oli would have been better going 4 2 3 1 protecting. Um, and cut, shielding the back forward, with Fred and, and Matic, and then just trying to play that way and play Pogba off the left like we have been. We've, we played Pogba off the left in the 4-2-3-1. I just don't understand what the reasoning is for us going to that 4-3-3. You know, I understand well, I, what you're I, saying. I the, like, yeah, I get
1: the, I understand this. It's too much probably. of a risk
0: and a gamble to do in a game like this. And whether it's just the FA Cup, I know the priority seems to be elsewhere. It's still important. At the end of the day, like I said, I can take a loss. That's fine. The manner of it. And it's not just Oli. It's on the players as well. They were they were diabolical today and and they have to take a lot of the blame as well. And we'll talk about the goals, but it was too much. We saw this in the FA Cup last season where Oli changed against Chelsea and just, you know, it was haphazard. We went through three at the back. It's it's decisions like this that you think and you turn around, and you think, why is he doing this? Like, what, what's the reasoning behind it? That's where I'm coming from.
1: Well, all season long, all we've had consistently on Twitter and various other platforms is why are United not playing Donny van der Beek? And we've had to explain on this show over and over and over and over and over again why he plays 4-2-3-1, why he plays double pivots, why he plays Fred and McTominay when everyone doesn't like Fred and McTominay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then, Haider, what we see today is that he does change it to a system that United fans want to see. You know, Lots of fans want to see a 4 three, three. They want to see that Donny van der Beek playing a more progressive role in the team. A false nine is kind of perfect for him. And Paul Pogba's most favoured role in any midfield is the left of a three, which is what he played today. And what happened? So it's okay for us to sit here and say, why did he change it? But he's trying to work with popular opinion, which is how fans want to see the team play, and also give players opportunity. So today he gave Donny, Donny van der Beek a kind of £35, £38 million signing, an opportunity, one that he spurned. And then it becomes the kind of numbers game of, well, who do we blame? And that's the problem. Manchester United should be able to play 4-3-3. They should. But what we see today is that as a chemistry outfit, as a team with individuals who do certain things, functionality, it doesn't work. That's why he doesn't do it. So what's he going to do in the next league game? He's going to play four two three one. He's going to play Pogba. He's going to play Bruno. He's going to play Rashford if he's fit. This is why he does it all the time. And what do people say to us all the time? Why does he do it? So he, you saw today the reason why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer plays the teams that he does week after week after week and why rotation is not at the highest level of his priorities when he's trying to fix this team and get results. Um, it's, it's easy to kind of say, yeah, the FA Cup is important, but I'm only saying it not from your perspective or my perspective or fans' perspective, but from the club's perspective. And something has to give. Manchester United, if they won the FA Cup at the end of the season – it looks good on a on a kind of fridge magnet, you know, with you with cup. Yay, we won the cup. But it doesn't actually mean anything to your business or your football club. It really doesn't. It means something to fans because it's a day out and you win it. I don't think United will win this tournament with Manchester City still in it as it stands. You know, I think United could get from the semis to the final. They could beat Southampton if they'd got through today. But I do think it's a sliding scale of priorities. That doesn't mean that it's right. I'm not sat here saying that's... That's great, and that's how it should be. But when you've played 60, 65 games over a season, something has to give. For me, as a United fan and as a journalist, I want United to get as high as they can in that league. That's what matters to me. I think second is the trophy this year. Of course, trophies are nothing when you come second. But this United team needs to progress. They need to understand where they sit in that pantheon of English teams, like I've said before. And winning the FA Cup... Great day out, like I've always said, but it doesn't actually prove that Oli Solskjaer keeps his job. Lluvangel won here, won that trophy, and what happened the day the next day he got his UB40, he was gone. So I look at it like that. That's the actual reality of it. Fans love a trophy, we want trophies, but it's third on the list of priorities. And you saw that today. That's why he rotated. That's why he rested. I would have played my strongest team today. I'd have played Bruno. I'd have played him high up. I'd have gone and tried to win the game early and then maybe made changes. But I'm not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm not the guy looking at the fitness reports. I'm not the guy kind of looking at the long-term projection for my team. I'm just thinking about now because that's how fans think, don't they? Today, what happens today? Today, Manchester United were junk. They were garbage. They deserve to lose. But that's on the players that played as much as the manager. But it's also on Ole for selecting the team.
0: No, I agree. Look, league position, it's it's like we look at uh, Arteta and you're saying, oh, well, look, Arsenal won the FA Cup, they, got, they came 10th. I, I completely subscribe to that view, and I understand what Oli was saying in the press the other day. You know when he said, "Oh well," and I don't agree with this. Trophies are for egos. I know what he's trying to say. He's saying there's no point finishing winning the FA Cup if you're going to finish tenth. But we're not in that position, Rob. We're sitting. Second he didn't say release. that
1: though. This is the, 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 again misconception because I've heard that a lot. He didn't say that. The full clip starts off with Oli saying everyone wants to win trophies, and so do I. That's how it started. Yeah, no, I'm and not then, I'm And not then that the, middle, that. Se- the middle section was Oli saying trophies are for egos. So the problem is, is that Ollie wants to win the FA Cup. Of course, he does. Does, but it is a sliding scale of priorities that's what we've got to understand
0: okay now I, I understand where you're coming from I think look this question here from Yehuda I know we've co- we've covered it mostly but he's saying isn't Oli experimenting too many times throughout the season and is it necessary in this stage of season in a game at the stage at this stage of the cup that's where I'm coming from look Rob I think too many fans are maybe not giving Leicester enough credit I thought they were fantastic today. You can talk about, we're going to talk about the goals now. And I do want to talk about sustainability in our style of play because it's something that um, I did mention nearly 20 episodes back and I think it's quite relevant now. Um, but when you're looking at Leicester, today they were fantastic. You're looking at their midfield for, um, of Tielemans and Ndidi, fantastic today. Tielemans is a, is a cracking player. If Pogba goes and leads at the end of the season, you know that's the sort of player I'd like United to go for. You're looking at Fofana and Suyuncu who are very good, very solid today. Um, we can talk about United being poor, but you've got to give credit to Leicester as well, Rob. Look, They were fantastic. And I think that's maybe the problem that, you know, we, we focus on what we did badly today. But ultimately, at the, at the end of the day, we were outplayed. That That's how I felt today. We were outclassed by a side that played better than us.
1: Yeah, I think the two teams are very well balanced. I think you know this was a 50-50 match for me all the way through when, when the draw was made and we got Leicester. I was like, well, Leicester away means that you could lose this game because Leicester are a very good team and they deserve all the credit in the world. You know, they've been one of the best teams in the division this season. They are 100% a Champions League outfit. They are better than Spurs. They are better than Arsenal. They're better than all of those kind of pretenders in the middle of the pack who want to be in the top four and want to be there just on name alone. And that's why I think United also deserve credit to actually still be up in those more upper echelons of the league, being the team that are second, because you have to prove it at this point in the season. And I think today Ole made those changes really in reflection of that is that when can he actually make a change? Well, he tried to do it in the first AC Milan game and it kind of just just worked out one all. So he had to go and win the second game and they go and win it. So that's one thing. Today, he tried to do it. It didn't work. He's trying to give a Dutch international some game time, a player who, who really is on the cusp. I said today, I think today was judgment day for Donny van der Beek. And what I meant by that is not kind of some big film production of judgment day. Here we are, Donny van der Beek. You know, this is his last chance. I don't think it's his last chance. But if I'm on the Solskjaer, I'm looking at that today and thinking maybe this isn't my guy. Maybe this guy needs to move on. Maybe I need to do something different. Hey, would Jesse Lingard be a better fit for me than Donny van de Beek? Well, the way Jesse Lingard is playing at the moment... That could, there is some substance in that, whether play, whether fans want him there or not, because it's about attacking and being able to play the English game. And I talk about the English game a lot, like it's some kind of biblical thing, but it's true. You've got to be able to run. You've got to be able to play between the lines. You've got to be able to score goals and get assists. Donny van der Beek doesn't seem capable of doing any of those things as it stands. He has to change to be successful. So I don't know. I, I just think with United, probably not the right time to rotate. I'd have played my strongest eleven because I would want to be in the semi-final of the FA Cup but I do 100% understand why Ole made that change because he has to show tangible faith in talent and that is players like Donny van der Beek coming in and saying right you're going to play as a false nine today it's a big system systematic change and do you know what I'm even going to bench my best player because I've got faith in you Donny I want you to bring us through didn't quite work out I think Donny van der Beek you know his United future is hanging in the balance
0: well, Rob, I said that in, uh, what, December time, do you remember? And I said that I just don't see as it stands. I mean, that was back then. And we've seen Oli actually change the system. We said Oli's oh, not going to change the system. He did change the system. But I said back then that I don't see van der Beek's long-term future at Manchester United. That doesn't mean he's not a good player. That doesn't mean he's not going to be successful elsewhere. I just don't see him him suiting the English game. We've talked many times. There was a question. Uh, and myself and Rob have spoken about this many times. But why doesn't he play deep? He can't play deep because... His positional play isn't good enough. He's not a progressive passer. Um, he's not aggressive enough. You know, he doesn't get to the second balls. He, he's not strong. That's why McTominay and Fred play. We know their limitations, but that's why Donny van der Beek doesn't play deeper. And then when he plays at number 10, Rob, we know that he doesn't offer what Bruno does. He likes to make, you know, ru- you know clever runs. He, people don't find him, I find, as well. You know, he wants to play one-touch football. We aren't geared towards that. At Ajax as well, he did play deep at times, but they dem- don't dominate territory. They also dominated possession. We don't do either of them. We saw that today and there are questions. There's one from Gerard saying, why sign him then? You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. At the time in the summer, I thought it was a great signing. We know what he could offer, but you, I'm not, I'm not going to question because I would have still said sign him. So I'm not going to complain. We signed him because I thought he would be, I thought he'd be a a great addition, but as it stands, Rob, you know, you are scratching your head thinking, you know, where does he sort of fit into this, the system that we're trying to build?
1: Yeah, I've just done another show and and I spoke about this and and I'll repeat what I said there. You signed Donny van der Beek because you want variation. So you don't look at what you've got and think, let me bring in someone that exactly fits that. You think, I would like to play 4-3-3. I would like to play with a false nine. I would like to make sure that I've got a progressive midfielder on the bench that can cover for uh, Bruno. And I think the grand scheme would have been this year is that Bruno played less than he has and that Donny plays more, and that would have been the balance. But what we've seen is that Donny van der Beek hasn't been able to get up to, to speed. He's not the first foreign player to come to the Premier League and have these issues. It happens at every football club. And as I said before on our show, you know, Chelsea got a player called Kai Havertz worth in the high 70 millions who've ha- who's had this problem. So it's not unique to Donny van der Beek or Manchester United, but certainly Ole bought him because he was a good price he was a young player, a young talent who'd done well at a Champions League club and someone that you think can add value to your squad. On paper, a fantastic signing. There wasn't one United fan on Twitter saying, don't sign Donny van de Beek. There wasn't. And that's because he was a good signing. And he still is a good signing if he brings it round and finds a way. What we're saying now is, will he find that way? So someone like Fred had to reinvent himself and become a kind of bone-crunching, all-encompassing, running-around footballer that he wasn't before. And he's now lost the technical part of his game. But he's become useful and he's managed to start because of that. And the whole McFred thing was born. I think with Donny van der Beek, does he have that potential to change? I'm not so sure. I think what we'll probably see is that he will be sold eventually. He'll go to Spain, he'll go to Italy, and he'll look fantastic and people will say that's Ollie's fault that revisionism you know. Rob we're seeing we're revisionism. And, and, and this is why I say you know it's up to Donny van der Beek to make sure that he brings it and brings the performances and is better than he is even today Haydar's watching the game and you kind of just end up watching him you think you don't look what's going on around him you just keep your eye on him and he still trots he trots forward, he trots sideways, he trots back. There's no darting run into the channel behind. There's no giving Mason an outball dovetailing on the right. There's no helping Martial on that side. There's no dropping in and being an extra midfielder and you thinking, oh, look at this guy. He's dialed in. He switched into the game. He doesn't. He looks like a reserve game constantly with Donny van Der Beek. So he needs to be better. And I think that's kind of the bottom dollar. Ole gave him a chance today. Ole won't be changing his system for the rest of the season to give him more minutes. If he comes on, it will be for Bruno or because Bruno's injured in a four-two-three-one, playing at the top of the midfield behind uh, a striker. And that's how it will be. And that's that's how it should have been. But, but Haydar, hindsight is beautiful. If United win 5-0 today and Donny scores a hat-trick, you and me are doing a show about what a genius move that was and how United should play 4-3-3. So the margins are thin. They're really, really thin. What I want to see more is that Donny van der Beek comes into the team and takes his chances. That's all I care about. You can win games, you can lose games, but players have to take the opportunity. Donny van der Beek has not taken his chances this year. We'll talk about Tellers today as well. I thought Tellers was poor. I think on the front foot, he's poor. I think behind, he looks scared. I think when the ball goes inside, you don't, he doesn't know whether to stick or twist. When Luke Shaw came on, United suddenly looked like it had balance on the left and a fullback who was overlapping. All of these players that come to the football club, they've got to be better, Haydar. And that's not just the manager or the system. That's on them to say, I can be better than what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair points. I agree with Rowan in here, gambling on the system, changing no time to drill it makes no sense. I'm sure they would have worked on it. I, I don't think he would have been like, right, one training session, that's not. I'm sure they've worked on this 4-3-3 in training before and Oli obviously felt it was right. Look, I would have And they've all 4-3-1. played it before,
1: like they've all played at other football clubs, 4-3-3. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a weird system. He's not played 4-2-2-2 like Southampton play. It's not a weird kind of hybrid. 4-3-3 is a system that everyone has played before. So those guys who are technical players and Fred in his past, they've all played that system before. They should know how to play it. Agreed, Rob. Um, look, I want to talk about
0: something which I brought up, like I said, about twenty episodes, and then we—I yeah, think you did agree with me. You said to me that uh, we're a moments team, and we, mm-hmm. we agreed on that. United, I think United are winning a lot of games, and we were all very excited. I think what we, what we perhaps didn't foresee—well, I know I did—but a lot of people didn't foresee—is you know, is this a sustainable way of playing? I think Manchester United, we know they're fantastic in transition. We what we had is we had a lot of games where. Uh, The West Ham game away really, really sort of sticks out in my mind. We were shocking for 45 minutes. Again, obviously, Donny van der Beek started that game. I think that was a game really where Oli started to lose a little bit of trust. But what you see is Manchester United have a poor performance during the game. 20-minute spell, they blow teams away. And I said back then, I said, look... It's great that United are able to do this. We've got players to hurt teams, but I don't see it as a sustainable way of playing. Now, we know that there's other elements to that. We haven't got the midfield to to control games. We saw that today. You know, if Paul Pogba doesn't play deep, I'll still say this. I know Paul Pogba, you know, perhaps plays his best football further forward, but for the benefit of the team, he's got to stay further back from me just because of the options that we currently have. A lot of people are talking about, you know, fatigue and tiredness. I really do think that our... Our makeup of our team can be better than what it's showing. I feel like we can imprint ourselves on games more. And I think we've got to, we have got to sometimes turn around and say, you know, while the players have been bad, like, have the coaching staff done enough? You know, are they, are they drilling it in enough to the players? Because, you know, if you can't put three or four passes together like we can today, these guys are professional footballers, Rob. Like, they're not all terrible players that can't pass the ball five yards. We sometimes have to step back. You like to use the word, you know, holistically, but step back and look at everything and be like, right, there are players that are not good enough and not at the required level. Absolutely. And there are players that are underperforming. There are times where you're thinking, right, these are repetitive problems. We think about the goals. We think about from set pieces. Why is this not getting drilled in by the coaching staff? I think it's fair to, I'm not being reactionary. I'm not saying, oh, he's got zero tactics. I'm not calling him a P teacher. I'm saying that, yes, he's done good, but you also got to look at some of the stuff that are issues as fans. We have to be objective about it. And I don't feel like as a, as a fan base we do that enough the players are not good enough in very key areas but i think the coaching staff at times you can say perhaps you know maybe they're inexperienced we have got young coaches maybe that's showing
1: yeah, you, you used the word objective there. I would say that football is a subjective sport. So I think when you look at things, you, it, there, there are reasons and there's counter reasons. And there's also a kind of whole myriad of why things can go right and go wrong, you know, when you look at it. I just wanted to read one comment there that could just come up from Ben McManus. And he said here, uh, I'm not going to dig out the manager for trusting his players. It didn't work, but I didn't think the lineup would produce such uh, an error strewn performance. And I think that for today, that is 100% correct. That's a subjective way of looking at it because these players should be doing better. I think what we do see with Manchester United, and it is a common theme, is that when systems are changed and when there is rotation, they generally fail. They find it harder. And that's why I called them before a moments team. Because when you play four two three one, it allows you to play a system that you're used to. It allows you to play a system that gives you protectionism in the middle of the park, but also allows your front four to go and play some football. It doesn't make you the most creative team. It's not like Manchester City where you've got dovetailing between midfield and attack and you can have six players kind of interchanging in the middle of the park and and overloading those areas and kind of getting territory, um, kind of more control over those bits of the park. But what it does give you is the chance to win. And I've got no problem with United being a moments team if you win. If you beat West Ham 1-0 or you go and beat AC Milan 1-0 with a moment from Paul Pogba where he smashes the ball past Donnarumma, Football's about winning. This is what we're about. you better got to try and win. This squad that has got massive deficiencies is second in the league. You know, it's not third or fourth or fifth or Liverpool. Yeah, it's none of those things this year. It's second. So I think we have to be subjective, Haydar. And when we talk about coaching staff, we can't talk about that unless you're stood on the training ground watching it because we can't say, well, are you doing enough? Well, that's open because if you lose games like today, We could say, well, how long did you do 433? Did you do it for three hours? Did you do it for three minutes? Did you do it for three days? Well, whatever that answer is, it wasn't enough. They could have done it for three weeks and they lost and they looked like a bag of junk. So those things are subjective. And that's why I think on this show, it's difficult to break them down because it's all what about tree? What about what have we done this? What have we done that? That doesn't mean anything to me in football, because what about we'd signed Jaden Sancho six months ago? What about if we sign Harlan next year? Those are future and past tense things. It's about now. This squad is decent. It's not great. It's not fantastic. There are players who should be better than they are. There are players who were once good at certain things that are not so good at them now. And you kind of think, right, well, why is that? Age, whether they're dialed in, are they committed? Do they want to be at the club next season? And all of those things are subjective calls when you when you analyse them and look at them. They're not objective. You know, they're not just yes or no's. They never are. So I look at it. I think Vole, I think he's given trust to his players this year. And overall, they've given him something back, which is second in the league. Last year, they were kind of flirting around with outside the Champions League. And before that, even further behind. It's taken two years to get here, two and a half years. I think the project's still on track. But you have to keep adding quality. You look at today's game and you say to yourself, you can't play 4-3-3. If you're the manager, you're thinking, I cannot do that for the rest of the we season. We knew this, Rob. We've
0: been saying this for... We knew it. We, we knew past. it.
1: But like I said, had they won today 5-0 and Donny van der Beek scores a hat trick, you and me are sat here going, they're geniuses. Wow, the coaching staff, amazing. And it's not true. The truth is, is that you sometimes win them, sometimes you don't. But there are we look for patterns. That's what I always try and do as a journalist. And the pattern is, with Donny van der Beek, is that in the 25 games he's played, I think he's played now 700 minutes, something like that this season. In the 700 minutes, I might have been impressed with him for about 10 of those minutes. So that's not good enough for me. He does need more minutes. But in a four-two-three-one, he cannot play in the double pivot at the back. He cannot play in the three behind the striker. He cannot play wide because he doesn't give you width. He doesn't give you pace. What do you do then? You don't play him. That's what you do. You put him on the bench. So I think this is the kind of bigger, the bigger slant on it about where we are. And that's what it was Four changes today. Paul Pogba got injured in that match. He got stamped on the foot. That's why he came off. And it was difficult for Ole to kind of make, keep him on the football pitch maybe and play him on where he'd, he'd had that crack on the foot. Hopefully it's not serious and it's just a bruise and you know we're not going to lose him for any more matches. Manchester United need Bruno Fernandes in the team, they need Rashford in the team and they need Paul Pogba in the team. And if they've got those three with a double pivot behind them of Fred and McTominay, they can beat anyone. They can beat anyone, but they need perfection. They need that system to be in place that they know and that brings the most out of them. I was happy to see a goal from Mason today. That would be great for his his performance value going forward to the end of the season. Everyone talks about him being the striker or not. Scoring goals is the best tonic. But I think today when you look at United, the three goals that they conceded were horrendous. You know, from the first, we'll talk about them and break them down. But I just think today you look at the three goals they gave away. Leicester was a deserved team. They deserved to win. But those three goals were all horrendous and all preventable.
0: I think um, that was one the one positive for me today, Rob. And I was delighted for Mason because his all-round game has improved. We've said... Over the last, you know, month or so, we've said that you know he's uh, improved his creativity. He's, he's added mm-hmm. crossing to his game from the right. He looks like he's bulked up. He's holding the ball up better. He looks sharp. He looks confident. So I was really, really happy to see that. And look, it was a well-worked goal. One, one little comment here or question from Ron. Do you think we're individual brilliance FC? I think the individual brilliance thing is used as a stick to beat Oli. And look, I, I have criticism to Oli, but what i will say is every team has players with individual brilliance that's what every team has what i will say and i agree with rob actually moments team and i know we're going to say that the table doesn't lie you know and that's that's true we're second but i don't think we are a second place team in, in the premier league if that makes sense i don't think you know i think on overall <laughs> no, no no let but me we saying, are though no i know <laughs> yeah, on, yeah, yeah. St- on facts we are but but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. if you're comparing this to years and years gone by, I know you've got to focus, but Manchester City up here, and I don't think you can say, you know, that we're we're a second-place team. I, I generally think we're a, a third, fourth-place team in a regular year. Um, but look, th- like I said, the, ta- the table doesn't lie, so we know we're going to be, you know, we're 2nd They we've finished second, finished second, finish second, that's what's in the history books. But I just don't think that we are, yeah, I don't think we are a second place team. And I think, you know, in that <laughs> respect you know, what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to get the right words because you're going to say to me, the table doesn't lie, whatever, whatever, but I just don't think we, we are. You know, all we can that matters, it
1: doesn't, there. it doesn't matter what I think or what you think. It matters what the table says. That's all that matters. So that's all Oleg, which I get what you're saying. And hypothetically, you're saying that we don't have the quality of a second place. That's team. What I'm trying to well, say, yeah. that doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Like Liverpool have probably got a better squad than Manchester United. And if they finish outside the champions league places, they won't be in the Champions League next year. That's how it works. So that's the competition side of it. And that's why I always say that coming second, no matter how good you are, is much more important than winning a cup that anyone could win. Southampton Southampton could win the cup this year and it would be their greatest season since year dot, since they beat us in the FA Cup. I think in 1975, I think that's the last time they won the FA Cup final. Yeah, but it means nothing for them. It does, but for us, it doesn't. It's just another trophy. You know, I said it last week as a joke, you know, eating your cornflakes out of the the top of the FA cup. That's really what it is. It's a posh bowl. And that's not me being disrespectful. That's kind of how these clubs look at these competitions. And for a smaller club, it's a great thing to get to a cup final and to win it. And it's, it's there forever in your history for Manchester United. It's not really anything for city. It would be if city won the quadruple and won every tournament this year then of course winning the FA Cup means something in the same way that when we won the treble winning the FA Cup meant something. But that's how I look at it. You know, we've got grander designs on bigger things at this football club and it starts with the league. It starts with being second and trying to chase Manchester City. For all we know, next year, City could get some injuries. They could lose two, three, four players. United could buy wisely in the transfer market, maybe get two or three. United might get a Sancho or a Haaland or someone. And suddenly, that 20-point gap is two points. That's how it works every season. We've seen it with City this year in Liverpool that you only need a kind of slight variation to catch teams. Would we have said at the start of the season, Haydar, that we would be above Liverpool under any circumstances this year? The answer to that is absolutely not. We we, we never would have said that. We never thought we'd catch Liverpool this year. And we're, what, 10 points ahead of them? So these things do happen and you have to be open-minded to them, even if it feels that we don't have that squad at the moment. The building process is a slow one. We need players in, we need players out, but that will take time. And you can only do that in transfer windows.
0: Yeah, fair, very fair point. So let's break down those three goals. Um, you know, I think it's important. <laughs> three mistakes, really bad goals. Look, the first one, Rob, Fred will get a lot of the blame and he should, but Maguire shouldn't pass him the ball in that area as well. But its I don't think we've given many goals away from building out from the back. If you actually think about it, I don't think we're, we're shaky at it, but we don't give many away. But that was just such a bad way to give a goal away. And,
1: you know, ultimately it set the tone of the game, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And it was Maguire's fault. So let's look at it like this. Fred had given the ball away about four or five times in the game, in the 10 minutes before the the goal, 10 or 15 minutes. Harry Maguire is captain of this football club who has played well recently, and we've highlighted that, and has done well. As a captain, he has to make a choice at that moment to make sure he doesn't put his defence under pressure. And he gives the ball to the player who's got his back to play against a team that's pressing high. And he gives it to him in the sense that Fred's going to look after it. Well, Harry Maguire, that's your fault sorry, it's your fault. You shouldn't have played that ball to him at that moment. There were other options. He could have gone back inside. He could have gone over the top. He could have played a diagonal. He could have done seven different things. And he took the easy option and gave it to the player who was being pressed high. And Fred only makes one mistake. We know that's Fred's fault. But ultimately, at the end of it, Hader, when they scored the goal, Fred and, and, um, and Maguire were kind of chatting to each other. And you could kind of see them kind of saying, well, whose fault was it? Yours? Mine? Won't. It's both your fault. But for me, the captain, the central the central defender in that moment has to take responsibility. It was a terrible goal to give away. And I think once you go 1-0 down, it's you're right, it sets the tone of the match. I think United did well to get it back to 1-1, but I wasn't surprised in the second half where it all fell apart again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I did say initially, I was like, Maguire, why are you giving him the ball there? It's almost like, you know, in rugby, the hospital pass. That's what it's like, you know, just you basically chucked it at him. And then look, Fred should have done better. Fred had a terrible game. Fred's been poor for a very, very long time, Rob. <clears throat> I know a lot of people we said weeks and weeks ago, a lot of people like Fred's world class, he's this, he's that. And we both turned around and said he's fundamentally flawed in very key areas. And uh, we saw that again today. Unless it pressed us high up the pitch. You know, they they identified you press United high up the pitch. And you you've mistakes and they'll they'll you know hurt us and that's what they did today. Look, the second goal was absolutely despicable. That was such an awful goal. I mean, look, how can you run through right through the middle of the pitch, you know, from the half just over the over the halfway line and then have a shot without at the edge of the box box without challenge, without being challenged? It's just shocking, absolutely mm-hmm. shocking. And for me, it was both Fred and Matic, but Matic, you just shouldn't get outdone with a one-two like that. He was essentially no man's land. He dived in and it was just such a poor goal to give away.
1: What can you say about that, really? Well, uh, what I'll say about it is the, the reason why we gave that goal away was a tactical error. So this is what happened. Manchester United had played 4-3-3 for most of the match. They'd played with Donny van der Beek as the false nine and Paul Pogba playing on the left. And what Ole decided to do just before the goal was that he played Matic to the, to, to the left-hand side of the midfield with Fred inside and on, and then playing van der Beek in a wider area. So van der Beek kind of came back and played part of the midfield, something that he's done in his career many, many times at Ajax and for Holland. So it's not something he did not know. So you had Pogba released further forward. So the idea, of course, was to get the ball to Pogba and start playing some more football at the top end of the pitch. That's one of the, the main key areas of why you play Pogba further forward and not further back, because it's harder to play 50-yard balls into a forward than playing a 20-yard ball from the halfway line and cutting open to the defence. But what happened in that moment was that Telemans gets the ball, kind of jogs through Manchester United three, and it's about spacing, Hadar. So in a 4-3-3, three, three, it's very, very different to a 4-2-3-1. Why is this? Because in that moment, your double pivot, which might be here, if I'm the goal here where my face is, and people can't see this, unfortunately, on Spotify, but I'll explain it to you. But the pivot comes in like this, yeah, and back. And protects the back four. That means any runner coming forward here gets met. And then you normally have one person to meet them. And if they beat them, there's someone else to meet them again. And we saw that in the second half. When we went to a four, two, three, one, that outlet was crushed. Leicester didn't run through the middle anymore. It was over. But in that moment, it's only got to happen once. And Tielemans gets to the edge of the box, unchallenged, through a Manchester United midfield in disarray. And that's why he got the shot off and he puts it in the bottom corner. And that was why they scored the goal. So again, we can highlight that Matic isn't very fast, that Fred's not playing very well. But those things don't really matter. In that moment, it's systematic. The issue is a system issue. And in a 4-3-3, there's just way too much space between the gaps. You can't close them down. You saw even there, Van der Beek is away from the play, but he's not in the shape either because he's thinking, I want to get forward. That's my game. And United was stretched. And that's why they got that second goal. And I think the second goal really was the killer because I think at 2-1, I didn't really feel, even with the minutes on the clock, I thought, "Mm, you know, they're going to have to do something really, really good here to get back into this because at the moment, this system isn't working. And eventually, Ole did bin the system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was actually crazy, wasn't it? Matic goes forward, gets done with but with the one two, and Fred's all the way up here as well. And he just yeah. and Teelan just goes towards the edge of the box. Obviously, Lindelof was was following Vardy's run, so he was dragged out of play, and it was just it was just too easy. Yeah, it's and not look,
1: up to the centre backs to clear. Yeah, it's the not. At all, yeah, they do that. They've they've yeah. got to sit. Yeah, they've got to yeah, sit. Yeah, exactly.
0: System. So look, it was it was frustrating, and for me, I agree with you. I mean, look, there's a good point here from Kieran saying that Leicester played two games since seventh. We played five in that time. Look, I know this is going to sound really really um you know some people won't like this but i just you know bringing up the points about how many games people have played or not at the end of the day look i just i like to focus on what we what we saw out there rather than bringing fatigue into it because ultimately we don't have the the data with us rob to make that choice at the end of the day we get told that ollie makes and selects people because they've been past fit or he has the data to do that so ultimately when i watch the game and i'm looking at it you know everyone out there has been past fit to play and, and that's that's the reality of it. So yeah, that's but how that's I one of the
1: of reasons why I don't like cup competitions because they do affect the team in terms of numbers. And I do think that, that um, to highlight that Leicester have played only two games when United have played five, that showed today because one team had energy and one team didn't. One team looked flat and one team looked up for it. And Leicester certainly, I think they haven't played for seven days and that's the key stat is that for seven days they've been able to prepare for United when United have been on planes and flying abroad and trying to win football matches at the San Siro. And that's why it would have been better for United to win that game in the first leg against Milan rather than having to carry it over. So that's also why I'm not always hot on cup competitions because... I always think three points are the most important thing on a week-to-week basis. And I think it does show. I think today, Ole did did select players that were fit. You were right on that. You know, that's kind of what the progress report will show him. But it also shows that when you have games stack up, that's a sporting endeavour. It does become a lot more tougher on you, especially on your physicality, especially players who haven't played for a while, say like Donny van der Beek.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's look, quickly touch on the last goal. There's not, nothing much to say, really, apart from at the back post, McTominay should have done better. Um, at that point, Rob, three goals, poorly given away, embarrassing. I've seen a lot of people not give less as a credit. I'm still going to. I know we gifted them the goals, but they still, they still played really well, in my opinion. And at, at the end of the day, they forced the, these errors as well. We can talk about what we've done poorly, but they had to capitalise on it. And um, look, again, another set piece. It's frustrating and um, it's sort of the problems that we've seen again and again this season.
1: Yeah, it was a disappointing goal because it's something that we have seen a lot this season. We've highlighted it, that set pieces are a problem. Um, I'm disappointed in Scott McTominay because I think it's easy. Read it. You read that ball. You take a step back and you get your head on it. That's all you need to do. You don't even need to challenge the player behind you. And what he did was he ended up underneath it. I do see with United players quite often, especially from set pieces, that they end up under the ball. Now, you could say it's a coaching thing, but for me, players have to understand it themselves. Hey, this is their responsibility in that moment. And you could practice that a thousand times with the ball coming in from a corner. And Scott McTominay would time it, you know, 995 times perfectly and get his head on it and head it away. But there in that moment, he's just been on the pitch, you know, only a few minutes. He makes the mistake. 3-1. You're dead. It's over. Game finished. And that's where Manchester United talking about in-game management. At that moment, a 2-1, you have to stop Leicester. You don't give away corners. You don't give away set pieces because they know you're weak at it. You They know you're not very good at it. But again, I want to highlight Harry Maguire because Harry Maguire wasn't directly involved in that moment. But Harry Maguire has to organise everyone. And I do see that that is lacking. When you look at the line there, that ball kind of floats over the top and it's deliberate It's deliberate to the back post. Manchester United haven't read it. Now, I don't say that Harry Maguire has to anticipate everything, but he has to make sure that that line is correct, which means the back post and the front post are both covered. He's in the middle with whoever, Vardy or the strike or whoever he thinks the best header of the ball is. But today, Harry Maguire made one or two big errors and it cost United not his fault overall for the season. Talking about him, he's had good periods. One thing I will leave it on is that I do think that Johnny Evans is a better defender than Harry Maguire, but yet no one would pay $80 million for... Johnny Evans. I agree with that. So I think that's sad because Johnny Evans is one of my favourite players when he was at United, and, and the reason for that was that he was, he's a technically a very, very blessed footballer. He's great on the ground. He reads what, it really Pep well. Why Pep wanted
0: him, Rob? You know, yeah, it's
1: why Pep wanted him, and it's also why Fergie had him as Rio's backup because when Rio wasn't in the team, Rio was the player that that started every attack. I used to say that all the time, and when Rio was out, it used to be Johnny Evans. And Manchester United fans never gave Evans enough, enough, enough kind of. Um, kudos and never gave him credit and of course he went to West Brom and people say well that's about his level and he proved that he's obviously better than that and I think you see in this Leicester team who are, who are now a bona fide top four team that Johnny Evans looks like a bona fide top four defender and I think Johnny Evans could go and play at Man City and I think Johnny Evans could go and play at Manchester United I know he's getting on in years and that's not a signing you'd go and make tomorrow but I think you kind of look at players and sometimes they get they get kind of pulled down by fans because they're not sexy enough. It's not the kind of talent they want to see in their teams. But I would say that at the moment, Johnny Evans is the best player at Manchester United in that defence if he plays for us now. And that's a problem because you need to then go and fix that.
0: You make a great point. I think um, when I think about Evans at the time he left, I mean, when was it, when did he leave? Was it sort of,
1: Van Harley. Yeah, seven yeah, years, years ago, seven yeah. Years end of Fergie, end of Fergie time. End of yeah. Fergie
0: time, yeah. So what tw- yeah, about 2013, um, 14, or around that sort of time. But the thing about Evans is that I felt like like you said, he got pulled down by the fans. He he wasn't very popular because you know, he was making mistakes. And he's one of those that's gone away and rebuilt his his um career. And you see, with Jesse Lingard, something similar, you know, he's going away and he's out of the United spotlight. Mm. I don't think he'd be the player he was today. He is today. If he hadn't made the move away from United, rebuilt his game again at West Brom, and he played against under Pulis. you know he would have got his basics again. You know, learning they wouldn't really have played out the back. Now he's moved over to Leicester. He's got a great manager in Rogers. and I just think that you know, I'm not saying you're like this. A lot of fans say, "Why didn't we keep Evans?" Look at the time. Not not many people wanted to keep mm-hmm. Evans. I did. I know I didn't. I was like, "He's got to go. He's his confidence is shot." And that's sometimes the case, isn't it? With United, is that it's such a it's such a demanding. Um, place to be you know not just the fans as the media everything about it you've got to have a certain personality and mentality to actually succeed at Manchester United and you've seen a lot of players who are talented players like Jesse Lingard is a talented player his goal today was an absolute banger top corner against Arsenal he's been phenomenal for them but he actually needed to step away from United to show this potential and I think you know, that, that shows how difficult it is to succeed at a club like Manchester United.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And, and and the pressure of playing for any of the big clubs is huge. You know, the mental pressure and being able to perform week in, week out and, and perform to a standard that's elite. So, you know, you look at Jesse Lingard. I think he's a really good example because... There's going to be this conversation come up in the summer now, isn't it, about whether you keep Lingard and bring him back to the football club or whether you move him on and buy someone. Well, we've just kind of proved the own point here that you can go and buy Donny van der Beek, someone who's highly talented, someone who's done really well in the Champions League, his own domestic division, and say, that's the answer. Go and get him. Why? Because he is a, a talented entity and he's more talented than the English lad, Jesse Lingard. And you get this balance and you get fans on Twitter saying, oh, these English lads, they're not that good. And that's why they shouldn't play for Man United. And it's it's a foreign thing. And if it was a foreign talent, he would have been bombed out the football club. And sometimes I think it's a little bit of both. You know, sometimes I think it's more just about what the manager sees and what the quality is. I think when you look at Jesse, I think if he carries on in this vein, you have to look at him because he looks like a 30 to 40 million pound forward at the moment. He looks top draw, you know, the the, the way he's playing. But then you have to say, can he play in Manchester United's four-two-three-one? Does he fit to play behind the sole striker? Well, Haydar, if you get the sole striker right, then maybe the answer is yes. You're going no, but maybe maybe Anthony Martial isn't the striker that works for Jesse Lingard. If he had Antonio up there, I'm not saying United should buy Antonio. No, no, I'm not saying yeah. Then then it could work. So that's why it's working at West Ham. That's what Moyes is doing. He's looking at his pieces and he's making it fit. You know, you could go and get Suchec and put him in United's midfield and he could look as bad as all our midfielders do yeah. at the moment. And Suchec is someone that people would go at the moment, oh, I want him in my fantasy league team because he gets goals and assists. It doesn't work like that. That's not real football. So when I look at Jesse Lingard, I think there is a chance he'll come back. Why? Because he's a Manchester United fan. And I think he feels he has unfinished business at United. But then he'd have to start producing seven, eight, nine out of 10 performances, which he hasn't done when he's had the chance. But let's be honest, he had a rough ride at United. He had issues off the park. We know that was a problem that affected him. It affected Mason Greenwood as well. That's why Mason hasn't scored the goals this year. And they've had to kind of work through that and get opportunities. He's gone to West Ham. He's done really well. Would I be against him coming back to the football club? Well, no, because I always think that you're only as good as your last game. Yeah, that's the way I kind of look at it. If you can come back and prove yourself, then fantastic. But sometimes you're going to got to bite your lip. I think football fans are, again, it's way too easy just to kind of put a gun to people's heads and go, well, I don't like you. Bang! You know, would Chris Smalling be a better defender than Manchester United's centre backs at the moment? There's a question there now for me. No, I wouldn't have Chris Smalling at the football club. But Chris Smalling left United, went on loan to Roma, and won Player of the Month. Well, he was in, the best. In, he was the best it, Serie A defender. Serie a. Exactly. So w- when we say these things, quite often there it's it's sometimes coaching, sometimes management, and those things we've touched on. But it's also about the player dealing with the pressure of that moment of being in that red shirt and wearing that badge. It's a its a heavy cross to carry, and it's difficult. But sometimes, yep, change is best, but change isn't always best. It's kind of a forensic process. But that's up to Ole to prove it. Isn't it? Ole's got to then go, right, if I bring this player back, then I can pocket some money, and hey, I now I can go and buy a striker for 80 million that I probably couldn't buy if I was going to go and buy two players for 40 million. Those are how you balance the books. That's how it works. That's real business. And Jesse Lingard still might have a future at Manchester United. If he can come back and show what he's showing at West Ham, because he's showing that he's an international class player at the moment.
0: Yeah, look, he's been fantastic. So I'm so happy for him because, you know, we have discussed what's been going with Mason. He's had really, really thorough time off, off the pitch. And the people need to remember as well, pet. it. Players are people. They're humans. But what Correct. I will say is that I wouldn't bring him back. And I'll tell you why. Because I think I want him to go and play week in, week out. He's happy. He's so happy. When was the last time we saw him this happy? He's showing that form that we saw uh, under Jose Mourinho, I believe, You know where he was he was absolutely killing it. Um, and he's not going to play week in, week out at Manchester United. And I think United need to move on from, from Jesse Lingard. I think one of the positives mm-hmm. is that he's doing so well. They're saying 15 million. Now nah, go, and, go and get 25, 30 and then reinvest it. I remember he's homegrown, so you know uh, he's English as well. So he should be able to get a bit of that English tax. He'll be on high wages, but yeah, I wouldn't be bringing him back, even though he's been fantastic. But like you said, look, he's looking better than Donny van der Beek, and you're right. You know, sometimes the the foreign name isn't always the one to go to. But Rob, let's go to the final word for me. Um, what I'll say, Jonathan's saying here, come on, give me my sanity back. <laughs> mm. um, Rob will probably give you the sanity back. Look, I'm very, very disappointed in today. Uh, as I said, look, it's not necessarily losing because I can take losing. It's just a manner of defeat I, that was not good enough for me. Um, I think that United just need to brush themselves off. Europa League now for me, Rob is is a priority. We have to win it. That's really how I feel. I think second in a trophy is progress for me, um, and we'll disagree about you know these sort of trophies till the cows come home. But I. I don't agree with the idea, oh, United should only go for the Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues. I agree with that. What I don't agree with is that if you have zero chance of winning them like we do, win the ones that you're in. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's what I want United to do. I don't care if it's Europa League. That's our level. Let's be real. That's our level this season. We weren't good enough to go through in the Champions League. We're in the Europa League. Go and win it. And that's how I want our mentality to be. So, look, we did well to get past AC Milan and now... We have a real chance of winning the winning the tournament, so that's what I'd like to see. And I want United to finish strongly and secure second because uh, that will be progress.
1: No one's saying that we don't want to win trophies. I I kind of go back to what Ole said in his presser when again he was misquoted quite quite kind of profusely across the press. Uh, Ole wants to win trophies, and as fans, we all want to win trophies. So if United win the Europa League, hooray! Yeah, we all celebrate, and then we forget it the next week. It's gone. It's finished. My way of looking at this is a much more kind of long-term way of, of, of progress. How do you attract players? How do you make your squad better? And what are the kind of fundamental uh, kind of things you need to put in place to get there? Yeah, And the Europa League, unfortunately, is not one of them. It isn't. It's a great day out. Again, I will say it's about cups, like my catchphrase, but that is the truth. Now, for fans, fans want to win trophies. Fans would go and win a bog brush if it was on offer. They'd be happy because they want to win something. That's how it is. That's how fandom is. And people are judged on trophies. That's kind of how fans do it. But it's not how football clubs judge themselves they judge themselves on the bigger picture the bigger picture for me for me uh, if we get knocked out in the next round of the europa league but come second and finish really strong at the end of the season and we come and we come second we even close the gap to city obviously we're not going to get anywhere near them but say we close that gap i'm content as a football person i look at that and i say tick that is progress if we win the europa league it's a great night. We're all happy. We probably do this show buzzing We're, you know, that's kind of the emotional side of fandom tick. That's great. But that second tick is down the list. And that's how I look at it. For me, it's not about, you know, you, you just said the words there, classical Haydar. Yeah. You went, you know, I'd have to win this. They have to, they don't have to win anything. They don't, that's not, it's not, they don't have to win anything. They have to play better. That's important but they don't have to it's not the the kind of thing the three semi-finals last year does not define what manchester united are this year you know it was bad we didn't want to lose those three semi-finals but it's not the truth the truth isn't we have to win them Winning trophies is essential in a long-term, trying to attract players, and that's how United should think. But winning Europa League does not find you your next top talent. Bruno Fernandes doesn't go, oh, you won the Europa League, didn't you, a few years ago? Yeah, I'm coming to your football club. You have to sell the project to them, and the project is one thing. Winning the Champions League if you can, but of course, it's winning the Premier League. That is what every every player wants, winning the domestic championship. That's what counts. That's not going to happen this year. So that means you just need to finish as strong as you can. Win Europa League, fantastic, but you don't have to win it. It just would be nice.
0: Rob I'm laughing here because Alan's asking what the hell is a bog brush um, it's something you clean the toilet with that i go and
1: get one if you want from the toilet uh, the, nah, the, the, right. the whole thing is what, <laughs> what I mean is that, that, that fans the fans want they think victory represents something that's what they look at so victories represent trophies so if you win all your league games 38 games in the season what happens you win the title so that's how they look at it so at the start of the season you said something a minute ago just to finish off you said, uh, you, said you know you want to win the competitions you're in well, on day one, you're in every competition. So you want to win all of them, really. That's in theory. But the truth is that with football clubs is that there is a sliding scale. And that, that yeah, you want to win, you know, the smallest trophy and the biggest trophy, but it starts at the top. United can't win the Premier League, but they can finish second. And they and can, they can be, win a trophy, Rob. And, and they can or. win a trophy, so they should that's be the trying thing. to win. They should be trying to win Europa League. No win at Man United is going, we don't want to win Europa League. But I think that fans believe that, footballers and chairmen and managers think like them. They don't because it's a business. And the business of Manchester United this year is as high a place to finish as possible in the Premier League, because we've been miles off it for a long time. Even when Jose got second, it was a kind of stale second because it was bad football and and United were kind of all over the place. And we all felt that the following year would be poor. And it was. And he left. That's why it, that it happened.
0: The question I ask a lot of people is, is this second... Is it much better because it's still second, Rob? If you finish I don't 20 points it. behind Manchester City, I don't, I'm not going to celebrate it. And the, the energy should be the same. If Jose Mourinho's second was bad, and by the way, Jose had to be sacked. I'm not protecting him. But if his second place was bad, being 18 points behind City, if we finished 20 to 25 points behind City, but we played great football, and again, I'm putting that in inverted mm-hmm. comments because we don't play great football, how is it any different? And this is, this is a problem that I have. I'm saying, well, call it for what it is second place and 25 points is worse than 18 points behind. Yes. If you take everything into account, you say, well, United are developing, uh, you know, at a better rate than they were under Jose Mourinho, you know, that there's a direct football technical director, all the off field stuff's great. But at the end of the day, Rob, no one sits there 10 years from now and goes, Oh, well, United finished second, but you know what? They played a bit more attacking football than Jose second. So that's really great. The history books suggest that you are 25 points behind.
1: But you just answered your own question there. You you were objective, first of all, thinking about Jose, and you're objective about what's better. And then you were subjective by saying that the, the academy's better, they play better football, they look like they're on a progression path rather than a regression, which is Jose's United looked like they were going to regress. It was based around kind of Were we going to become this Galactico team? Could Woodward go out and attract talent that was, you know, of the upper echelons? And that was how United were going to get back, go and sign a Mkhitaryan, go and sign an Ibrahimovic, go and sign Pogba. Those things didn't really work for United at that time. And it felt like it was going south. It doesn't feel like that to me here. You know, if United end up second this year or even third, I would say, yep, they're in the Champions League. And it feels that if they add two or three key players and they fix some of the fundamental issues that they can then bob on again and carry on and become more of a team that should expect to win trophies rather than just hope. So I looked at that Jose team and it felt like at the end of that season, they didn't feel second was a big progression for them because it felt like they'd spent a lot of money, but yet it hit a brick wall and hit second. And it felt like the following year, they were going to be fifth. It really did. I don't feel that at the moment as a football journalist taking off my football fan hat and putting on my journalist hat, I look at kind of the stats and I look at the key areas. And I think United, over the last 12 to 18 months, have improved, and I would say dramatically so. Because 18 months ago, we never thought this United team would be above Liverpool or anywhere near second place. We really didn't. We thought third, fourth, fifth, sixth, even where Arsenal are at the moment. We thought that that might be where United slide to. And of course, if that had happened, that's the end of Ole and Solskjaer. Now, of course, if Oli does that next year and comes 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, he will also be sacked just like Jose Mourinho was, and rightfully so. So then we can look at it a little bit more kind of subjectively and objectively and say, okay, you slid. It didn't work. But I think subjectively speaking, this Manchester United team is better. It's not perfect. It needs to fix quite a few things. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to pass the ball out of the double pivot, Fred? Things like that. But they are fixable. And the Jose things I didn't think were fixable, playing with no energy, not being able to kind of progress at the park, having players that were functional, not being able to kind of uh, be an attacking team, not playing well enough on the counter-attack, which was supposedly what Jose teams did. They didn't do any of those things really well. Well, I think Ole's teams do do those things well. We just went and beat AC Milan, a team that, what, second in, in Serie A this year, a team that are on the up, good young players, uh, they brought their star onto the pitch, a player that used to play for us called Zasan, and they lost and we won. So, yeah, we're in the next round of that tournament. Fingers crossed we can win it. Haydar, for you, I know you really want to win it, but if we don't win it, we live to fight another day.
0: Very well said, Rob. Guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know obviously it's not the result we wanted, but it's always great to be hearing all your thoughts. Uh, We've got a lovely little community here. Look, we really, really appreciate all your fantastic comments. Um, Look, we've got... um, international break so really hope you guys enjoy the time off please guys tell all your friends about this podcast retweets are very much appreciated and we hopefully can bring you even better content and remember guys this podcast is now on the sport social podcast network that's the uk's first dedicated sport podcast network and you'll find our landing page on there we can listen to all our podcasts on www.sport-social.co.uk
1: rob you got anything to add before we wrap up no, we live to fight another day. The FA Cup, would have been nice to get to Wembley and get to a semi-final, another nice day out. But ultimately, all I care about is a league. Get the league points, three points, three points, three points, three points every week. If we do that and we come second, I'll be a happy camper. Guys, enjoy your international break. Honestly, it's been it's been a mad, mad uh,
0: two months or so. So enjoy it, have the couple of weeks off and we will see you after the break.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.